You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 262. This is the redneck side of your world speaking to you. Let her rip, tater chip. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me here today. I'm so happy to be bringing you this particular guest because in light of all the serious virus talk we're surrounded with these days, Eric's communication style alone will put a smile on your face. You probably got that idea already from the little intro teaser clip. But right now, I don't think we can get enough smiles. Eric's been on the show before and is just a hoot to talk with. He knows his stuff and is as honest and genuine in his comments as they come. Better yet, Eric is addressing a question I've been getting from a lot of you over the past few months. What about fair? Would it be a good place for my product? Three things you're going to learn through our discussion here are the role that FAIR can serve in your overall business strategy, what it's like to get started on the platform, and then the specific details and benefits of being on FAIR. With what we've all lived through these last weeks, now more than ever, I think you see why it's so important to strengthen your online presence. This may be one of the ways to do just that. Let's roll the interview. Now be prepared to learn and laugh along the way. It's going to be really refreshing, yes? Gift Biz listeners, I want to introduce you, or I should say reintroduce you to Eric Ryan of Willis Shortbread. We spoke with him way back, boy, almost in the beginning of my podcast journey, Eric. That was in September of 2016, so episode 76 you were on. Wow. That is crazy, but let me share with everybody who you are. Eric is an expatriate from corporate America, and he's been at the helm of Willis Shortbread since 2006, when founder Willa Allen hung up her apron. Inheriting a small family business with a great core product, a small but loyal regional customer base, and a gourmet and specialty market that was pretty much non-existent, the challenges to profitable growth were many. The decision was made early on to go with all natural ingredients and to add flavors just a few at a time. After some not-so-delightful forays into the larger retail market, Eric decided to focus on the gourmet and specialty market, which fortunately began a growth surge that continues to this day. In 2015, Willis was awarded a Best of the South Award from Southern Living Magazine, and that led to appearances on Unwrapped 2.0 and Tennessee Crossroads, as well as articles in numerous nationally known magazines. In 2017, Willis's Mercantile was opened in the packaging location of Goodlitzville, Tennessee. In addition to the Willis line, the Mercantile offers locally made and unique gifts that become well known to locals and travelers alike. This sounds like somewhere I need to visit, Eric. Yes, you do, of course. Well, you never come down below the Mason-Dixon line. Let's just get that through. For some reason, you've got a problem with that. I have no problem with that (laughs) at all. Not at all. Okay. I already know that it's going to be really hard to keep you in line today. 
Yeah. I think I've decided that already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's going to make for a great conversation. Well, is that a surprise? No, it's not a surprise. But you and I haven't seen each other for a while. And I guess I kind of forgot. <laughs> all the craziness that goes on with you. <laughs> it's true. Oh, boy. Well, let me share with everybody why we're talking again. Okay, so Gift Biz listeners, as you know, I like to do past guest spotlights. And I reached out to Eric late last year, and he said to me that he was working with FAIR. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've had a lot of requests for kind of a background and understanding of FAIR from a user perspective. And he's like, hold tight, let me get some experience behind me first before we do this. So we've put it off and today is our lucky day. We get to talk all about FAIR. <laughs> before that, as I was saying, Bring us up to speed. What's happened within the last four years over at Willis? Well, we're just continuing on. The, over four years, what's happened is that the market has just exploded, the potential market for us to take our product to. Four years ago, I was still having to do some marketing and whatnot to get out into the world, and that's still always a good thing to do. But there's not a week goes by where I don't get wholesale requests three, four, five a week from people who have either gone through our website, have seen our product somewhere. They're going, hey, how do I get this? How can I get it into my location? So the market has evolved. And one thing, we're sitting here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's booming. There's cranes everywhere. They're building like crazy. It's a hot place to be right now. And anything Nashville related is just like gold right now. It's definitely true. Do you attribute it to that or do you also attribute it to all of the marketing that you were doing earlier on and at some point all that work and all that groundwork and the road that you were paving starts to kick in? It's a combination of all of it. It's making the determination not to go out and chase these big retailers and dumb our product down, stupid it down go with lesser quality ingredients or saying, yeah, I'll cut my price way down in here to try to get into a Walmart or any big grocery chain, something like that. It kind of staying true to our core value and our core customer base mm -hmm. and keeping our product at the highest quality we can and then developing a packaging that had pretty much global acceptance. Right. And it's just like the moon and stars of all aligned. So we're sitting here with the right product and the right packaging at the right time for the market. And the consumer market has changed. People have gone from wanting the gaudy, the pinks, the bright colors, whatnot. Everybody now is wanting more into the traditional, the more of a classic look. And it's just kind of all come together. Well, two things I want to ask you about as I'm remembering our conversation back four years ago. And I don't even know if this was on the podcast or you and I were just talking about it offline, but you were struggling keeping up with orders and physically it was getting to be too much. I think you were having trouble with your shoulder or your arm just because <laughs> you were making everything yourself. Yeah, well, we've upgraded some equipment since then. So I've, I don't have to hand crank the depositor like we used to, except I've got like two flavors that I still have to do that on. Like the ginger snap dough is just so thick, my more automated machine can't handle it. And we're doing more work in here. I just like last year, I purchased a new bagger. Uh, anything we can do to help automate the process. Do you have more people with you now working? Really not full time. Still, it's just uh, my wife and I, well, Teresa and I do, uh, we're the full-time. We do have several retired teachers. My wife is a retired teacher too, but that 
we stay close with, and they'll come in two, three, four days a week. If we need them, they're in here, and they can run the store if they need to or whatever. But we have certain days that they're in. Large order. So you can ramp them up, too, if you need it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can ramp up. I can go from just the two of us in here to six or seven people, a couple of phone calls. Right. During the holidays, we'll have four people, four to five people in here daily. Plus, we have a second shift, we call it, which is everybody who's working during the day who comes in. That's when they pop a cork on a bottle of wine and off they go. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Now I'm definitely coming down. Ah. (laughs) You said the magic words, Eric. There you go. (laughs) Okay. And the other thing that I just want to get an update on is we talked a lot about private packaging back then Mm -hmm. and how you were doing some specialty things for some of the well-known historic sites or touristy areas in your area. Are you still doing all of that? We're still doing all of that. We have picked up, gosh, three or four other I'll call them very well-known boutique hotels in certain areas. We've got one in Cincinnati that we've picked up that's been a wonderful hotel for us. We're doing a lot more, I'll call co-branding, where our packaging has a lot of flexibility and where I have a flavor label. We're doing more and more with hotels, for instance, that may have beehives on their property. So they are harvesting their honey. And one of our specialties is our wildflower honey shortbread. Guess what? We can do that using their honey. They pay for a custom label. And now they have something that is unique to them, sells very good for them. And as a uh, manufacturer, I'm locked that customer up because nobody else can do that. Sure. And if you can lock that customer in, it's the best of both worlds. Absolutely. When you say co-branding, is the Willis name also still on the packaging or is it just your client's label? For those who don't know about our packaging, go take a, while you're listening to this, pop on our website. It's willis-shortbread.com. You'll see our box is generic. So it's a generic box. It's got all our branding, all our logo, all our fluff is on that box. And then we replace, you'll see where the flavor There's a disc there, it's flavor. That's a two-inch round label. Well, what we'll do, for instance, one of the hotels is the Gaylord Opryland Hotel here in Nashville. Big, huge property. So they had a custom label made that had made with Gaylord Opryland honey. I forget exactly what it's got on that label, but they provide me with that and they provide me with the honey. Got it. And now it is co-branded because they're seeing, oh, Willow Shortbread, oh, and this is made using their honey. So we both benefit off of it. For sure. And it's only available there, right? Yes, only available there. So we have multiple properties that we're doing that with, and that continues to expand as that's an industry to talk. They talk a lot in amongst themselves. And uh, just this past week, I spoke to a company that is doing a lot of mini bar work and custom work in hotels across the country, high-end properties. So now if I can get them on board. Now I don't have to go out and visit all these properties. I can work with them. And it's also a product. I don't have to cut my price. You know, you go to some of these brokers or these reps or distributors, distributors are the worst. I won't say the worst. We just haven't had good experience, but they're going to want to cut and or however they're going to go. But they always try to beat me down on price so they can make more. And then that's an item I go, uh-uh, there's no cut. You're going to lock them up with this. You can make what you want to make, what you need to make, but I'm not cutting my price. No. Good. I love hearing you standing firm on the price. That's a good example for everybody to be listening to. Yeah. 
And it's a business strategy of yours, right? Like if you cut your price, you could run a whole lot more volume. Then you definitely have shoulder issues, number one. But that's not what you stand for as a brand. And you decided that way early on, too. And now you're holding firm to it. Yeah. You can chase that unicorn, which is the magic world. Oh, yeah, I can do 20,000 pieces a week. Yeah. Okay. How are you going to ramp up to do 20,000 pieces? And what's the exposure on that? Right. And who's going to do it? Who's going to bake it? Who's going to make it? And you're going to have to cut your price to get that. Is that worth it? And for us, it was like, no, let's live within our means and go after profitable business. So you were saying that some of the difference from four years ago was all the selling that you were doing. How are you recognizing these new opportunities? Are people coming to you or are you still doing outreach? They're coming to us. The bulk of the new business we're getting is coming to us. We have on our retail website, there's a contact us. It's a wholesale page. And it basically says, hey, send us your information. We'll be right back in touch with you. So that's one thing every day when I come in, that's one of the things I'm looking for. And in a lot of cases, you can look and say, oh, hey, this is a good opportunity here. So that's how you kind of you prep your call before you call back. Right. Some of them, you know, hey, I can drop a price sheet in, boom, and it's gone. But others, you look at it and go, whoa, I need to talk to them. So -hmm. that's when you get personal and you call them up, say, hey, what are you looking to do? And you go into sales mode. Okay. And so how long in this process did it take for those gears to really engage? It kind of goes back to the original. It's having the exposure. It's years. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. Unless you're the latest, greatest, everybody's got to see and have it. No, it's, you know, what is luck? Labor under correct knowledge. Mm-hmm. You say, oh, you're lucky you're getting all this. No, it took a long time. Years into making, but now it's become kind of something that is feeding itself. And we're seeing that. And then the traditional ways where we went to get business, which actually leads directly into the fair conversation, we're seeing those go away. You're seeing those go away in terms of you doing those behaviors? To get the sale or just shows overall? Yeah. Our traditional method for, let's see, we've had the company since 2006, so we're 14 years in. So for the first nine or 10 years, our primary way to get new business was to participate in the wholesale markets, Atlanta merchandise market. Uh, We did Dallas for a year and a half. I did one in Columbus, Ohio. Those were... People went. That's where customers went to find new products. Okay. So that's what I wanted. I want that new buyer coming in. And that's where they came to. We spent a lot of money doing that. We had to go twice a year. That's our mandatory. Yeah. Those shows aren't cheap for sure. No. Oh, no. I mean, for me, and I had a small booth, I'm driving there. Okay. Uh, so I'm not paying airfare. I don't stay in luxurious hotels, okay? I ride Marta in. I'll stay out 10 miles out of Atlanta and ride in on the on the subway, Marta, whatever they call it. <laughs> a lot of in-room dining, not the room service. I'm talking about the heat them up dinners. And that week would cost me between five and $6,000 out of pocket, okay? So that's not cheap. In order to recoup that, you're going to have to see some sales up into five digits at least. I'll say the first six, seven years. Yeah, you got them. I mean, we would go, we would basically load the wagon up, especially the summer show. You got people who are coming in and buying for Christmas. 
So you were loading the pipeline pretty heavy for that. You had some initial orders for immediate ship, and then they would just stagger in. But what we saw over probably a four-year period, you would have an occasional bad market. But usually you always did good. You would have occasionally you'd have market that was just off and you go, well, it was the weather or it was some event because uh, typically the next market would bounce back and everybody's happy and we're all singing hallelujah, having a good time. But then you started to notice something or I started paying attention. Number one, the volume of people at the market was down. And the market people were telling us, oh, no, 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 we have the same numbers. I said, well, they're not on this floor because I know what a full <laughs> floor looks like, right? You can pull that over somebody else, but I can look. And if I look down the hall or if I look down this aisle and there's no customers, that's not good. Right. Well, they're coming at different times. They're doing this. I said, okay. So you continue on. And I will say that it's the fear of not knowing or whatever, however that is. But the vendors that are there are very reluctant not because you're watching it. It's declining. And these people are still paying for that booth. Over and over and over. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And you're like, well, it's not really looking like it. I'm as guilty of that as anybody. Or somebody else says, oh, man, I had a great show. Or Dallas was really booming this time, so Atlanta's going to have to be big. And then it's not. And then one thing is, if you're still doing these shows, look at the audience. Look at the customer base. Look at who's attending. And what I noticed, and this is from literally not being an idiot and carrying on, but watching the crowds. The young buyers were not there. There's your key. There it was to me anyway. I'm saying, yeah. okay, if I don't have the younger buyers, which are the newer buyers, then I've got a dying market. So you were really observing, first off, the trending of the shows, which was fewer and fewer. It still declines today, but I don't want to discourage everybody because some of these shows can work out for you. If you get yeah. the right audience, depends on how much you need to sell, all those types of things. But you really were watching the trends, the audience, everything overall to determine your next moves. But before you go further, Eric, a couple of points that I think were really important that I want to point out to our listeners, and that is you did these shows, and I'm not talking about just shows, but as you're starting to build your business, anywhere you can go on the cheap, like you heard Eric talking about, we weren't in the luxury hotels, we weren't going out to dinner every night. They were cutting corners where they needed to so they could afford to do this. And that's kind of like your time in when you're growing your business. So that's the first thing. The other thing, Eric, that you talk about is some of these activities were for a long-term result. It wasn't just what were you going to get at one show. People are going to see you. Maybe they're going to order a little bit later. And you understood that, which I think is super important. And you're a great example because if we could only know that all these activities and hard work we're putting in today will eventually pay off, that would be one thing. But you never totally know unless you're listening to stories like yours, Eric, right? Like all of that time, you're putting in the effort in good faith that it's going to work out in your favor in the end, but you don't necessarily know for yourself. But when you hear of examples of other people where it's working, that helps. So I wanted to make those points and underline those for our listeners, Eric. Yeah. So back to what you're talking about is you were seeing trends where you were going to need to change and take it from there. Right. I'm going to back up the points you just made. Number one, if you're a new maker, you've got a new product, then these shows may still be fantastic for you. Remember, we had been at these shows for 10, 12 years. I only wanted 
new business for me were people who had not been there before. When I'm seeing the same people over and over and over, then it becomes not good. But if it's my first or second time there, guess what? They're all new. Right. So you're getting a lot of visibility. You might not be yeah. getting the sales, but you're getting your product out there. Well, and you still, it's new and excitement. You'll see somebody who brings a product in for the first time, and all of a sudden, there's a feeding frenzy over on aisle three. And it's, what the heck is that? Oh, well, this lady's doing fried green tomatoes. Really? Yeah. And people can't get enough of it. Don't hesitate. If you're not there, do it. And when, don't just go online and sign up for that, though. Call, find out who the person is that's running that floor, and negotiate. Say, hey, I want to come in. You know, have you got a deal? Have you got any spaces that are open and I might be able to get for less or a smaller booth? Especially for new people because they always want new. I think, Eric, also you're talking about the super big show like Atlanta and Dallas, but there are some intermediate shows. And, you know, I'm still out at shows for the Ribbon Print Company all the time. Not as many as I used to do because I saw the trending, too. But I'm actually going after and seeing results of some of the smaller shows where you're having maybe 8,000 people coming through or less. And the reason for that is what I'm seeing is people aren't so stressed out, like they've got to hit every single booth, see everything, and they're not just coming grabbing literature. They actually have time to sit and talk with you because they know they can get through the whole show. So I'm seeing some of the reduction in size as a benefit now for me and my product, right? So it's different for everybody as well. Well, if and if it's more regional, mm-hmm. by all means, yeah, if you can drive there, if you go. But if you've got an 8,000-person show and it's in California and you're in Florida, that's a lot of money to spend. So do your due diligence and say, okay, what's the best I could probably look to make right. out of it? Does this make sense or would I be better off doing something different? Good advice. Okay. Yeah. If there's regional shows that you can do economically, by all means. Now, we do retail shows, too. And this is a good one. You'll love this one. There's a thing called the Bloody Mary Festival. Again, I've got a con. National. National. This is a <laughs> national thing, all right? So the first one of the year is in Nashville. We've done this. will be our third year. And they called me up and they said, hey, would you like to participate in a Bloody Mary Festival? And I'm going, let's ask some shortly, short bread cookies, for God's sake. Why would I do? And then I said, well, what's the cost? And they said, oh, no cost to you. You just come down and set up. We'll give you signage and a booth and everything else. I went, well, it's free. And then looks wow. like I might get a Bloody Mary out of the deal. Yeah, I'm in. How'd it do for you? Well, we went down with not super expectations. Actually, my wife couldn't go. So a friend of mine, I said, hey, you want to go out and do this show? Yeah, fine. So we went down. And the first hour is people who pay a premium to come in for that first hour. And there's probably 30 vendors, 30, I'll say, Bloody Mary people that are making Bloody Marys. And you can sample all of them. Yeah, I know. It's too good to be true. We take down enough stuff for, oh, I figure, in a wine festival, we'll do about X. Uh, yeah, I'll do about half of that. Just take a few flavors. It's worth going. But yeah, we nearly sold out the first hour. Wow. Yeah, full retail, we sell out almost. I had to call and say, hey, bring me whatever's at the shop. Just bring it down. So don't think that just because it's not your core that it might not be worth it. And if the price is right, go do it. What are you losing today? You know, in this business, you might find that little acorn. Right. And I'd also say people who are at consumer shows also have jobs. 
Like they yeah. own their own businesses. And mm-hmm. so they're going there, yes, for leisure and personal fun, but you can never discount who's coming up to your booth or who's walking through some of these shows. Yeah. And another one, especially for the food brokers out there, what uh, the state of Tennessee, the Department of Agriculture. Down here, there's the Tennessee State Grocers and Convenience Store Association has an annual soiree and they have a trade show. Well, the state gets a group of booths that uh, for us people that are on their list and they help defray some of the cost. But if I were in the grocery, if that was my main market, it'd be fantastic. I'm not, but there again, just what you just said, there are those other people coming through that may have something, or maybe they've got a little small store, or maybe their uncle does or something. Right. The extended connections for sure. Yeah. And plus the state invites all the people that we tell them, we say, hey, here's some customers, invite these people down to look around. So you'll get that group there again. That's how we developed our Opryland Hotel business. They hold it in the Opryland Hotel. So their people were coming through and the ones that we've been dealing with said, hey, my boss is in. He'll be by. And this guy comes in and looks and says, whoa, let's work. Let's run with this. You can do this with my honey. Yeah. All right. Boom. All of a sudden, something that is a it cost me 100 bucks to do the show. Now, all of a sudden, it's paying off constantly. OK, so, Eric. Yes. Should we dive into the topic of the show, you think? Let's do it. Eric is such a fun guy. He's just in person like you're hearing him here right now. And after the break, we're going to talk all about his experience with FAIR. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels, too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. So where does FAIR enter in? Share with us how you got to the point where you were deciding FAIR might be an option for you. And I'm going to just let you take it away. Okay. With the observation that the younger buyers aren't here, where are they going? Well, it's quite obvious. I mean, I got kids. And of course, my kids are in their 30s now. But... Where do they go? Where do they go buy stuff? My daughter-in-law buys stuff for the store that we have here for the Willows Mercantile. And I watch. She goes and finds these sites, and she's looking at, oh, look at this, look at this. We could do this. And I'm like, okay. So they're buying online. How are they buying? Are there groups? Are there sites? You just take a wild stab at uh, type something in and see what comes up. We were actually approached by FAIR, say, last June or July about coming on board with them. And we did a little exploring on it and said, hey, wait a minute, look at this site. A little bit about FAIR for those who are not familiar. They are, if you replace an Atlanta market, now remember in Atlanta, you typically don't have 
or it's primarily, especially in our area, the gourmet, it's not the people you're going to find on Amazon. You're talking about at the trade shows. Yes, at the trade shows. Yeah. It's more geared towards the new, the up and coming, usually a higher quality, more artisan type of maker, because that's where we went to market. So FAIR is taking that same market and combining them on one site. So now, if I own a mercantile store, I can go on to this one site and let's say I want to find some gourmet foods. Well, you go to FAIR Gourmet Foods. They have a section for that. And it can say, well, yeah, oh, hey, here's some neat stuff. This is new. And it's all makers like us. It's, it's like Willow Shortbread or whoever, some of these smaller vendors. That's where we go to. These are people who are not on Amazon. I mean, that's one of the things. You can't be on Amazon and be unfair. Oh, is that a rule? Uh, yeah. Okay. I saw that that was one of the tags on your company. Yeah. Not on Amazon. Not on Amazon. I mean, it's one of the things. And I'm thinking that's a pretty hard, fast rule with FAIR. And I know they prefer brick and mortar. I know that they have relaxed that some now. We're seeing some resellers. I'm not really happy about that, but there again, it's volume. But you can go in and search for, like I said, for food. Or maybe you want knit goods or soaps, custom soaps. And then you can go in and say, well, show me custom soaps that are made in my state. Mm-hmm. You can narrow that down. So now you can say, oh, hey, I didn't even know this place existed. Right. And you look at what sort of deals they have, and then you can purchase them through fair. This picture is a conglomeration. It's like going to Amazon and you're filling your cart up. So you can go get an order from this manufacturer and from this guy over here, and then you're paying, the buyer is paying fair. Mm-hmm. And they offer some very nice incentives to new buyers. I think on your first order, you can get $100 free merchandise. You can just apply that $100 towards the sale. That's free money. I like that. Also, I think you get free shipping on your initial order. So there's some definite perks. And I also think from a retailer standpoint, that whole thing of not overlapping with Amazon is huge because especially for, you're, you're saying they've, kind of favor brick and mortar as well. But you want things in your shop that people aren't going to be able to look at in person with you and then go home and buy somewhere else. Like for a retail shop, you want things that are unique, are different, are specialty sourced, if you will, so that you are different from everybody else. So I can see that and I see where buyers would be more attracted to something like FAIR for that reason in particular. Yeah, and FAIR will also give them area protection. Mm. So let's just say you decide you're going to take on this soap and you've got two stores around you that, you know, as soon as you buy them, they're going to come over, see what you got, and they're going to steal it. It goes on all the time. Lynchburg, Tennessee is a perfect example of that. They fight each other to see who's going to get what's next, and then they all go steal it from each other. But FAIR will give you zip code protection. So if you go in, you buy, then you are protected in that zip code for 90 days. Now, at the end of 90 days, or if you buy again, it starts that clock over and over again. So you can, if, if you're buying, you're protected. Now, if you don't buy, then after 90 days, it opens it back up so other people can come in. So as a seller, it's good. If you've got somebody's buying, 
you're going to keep them going. Do you have to buy the same product? No, no. As long as you place an order with us again by me as manufacturer. Right. So there's zip code protection by company. By company, yes. But oh my gosh, that is such a great built-in repeat customer incentive. They offer the customer 60-day terms. That's huge. The end user has 60 days. As a manufacturer, as a seller, I'm paid in 30 days. Now, you know, some people say, well, you know, I like to get my credit card right off. Yeah, credit card's taking money, so I'm not paying that credit card fee. And they pay like clockwork. I mean, day 30, boom, it's in your bank. You don't have to touch it. And they're reliable. Yes, that's one thing. They are Johnny on the spot. If it's a customer that you are already selling to who goes on to fare, let's go back. This is all sounding like, again, unicorns and roses. Everything's perfect. How does this work? Well, they make money. So if you, on your first order, let's just say somebody buys, uh, you have a customer that buys from you through FAIR for the first time. You have no previous contact with them. FAIR is going to charge you 25%. That's pretty healthy. But there again, you've put no money into marketing or to growing that business. Subsequent orders, 15%. Basically, what you're going to pay a good rep or a rep that's worth their money is probably going to earn a 15% commission, right? If it's a customer that you are already selling to and they decide to buy through FAIR, it's a 0% commission for the seller. So they're doing all this stuff. You're still getting your money. You're getting your money in 30 days. They're handling everything else and you're not paying any commission. They will give you the opportunity to, say, upload a customer list to them where they can contact them and says, hey, there, you know, you can now buy Willow Shortbread through FAIR. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good deal. Well, and I'm thinking this through. I'm guessing the motivation is the product then is on FAIR for other people to see to purchase, which yes. then would benefit FAIR. Mm -hmm. And then also that client is on there to buy something they already buy, and then they'll also see other products. So I'm thinking those are the two. Yeah, it's a long-term deal for them. If you look at it from the short term, it's like, good God, you're spending a ton of money. What are you getting? Like, and that's the question. How are they making money? We don't know. So it's a long-term thing. And I've talked to uh, several people there and with some other companies that have said, well, yeah, here's how they're doing it. And it makes sense. Well, because they are taking fees, like some fees are waived, like you were talking about if it's an existing customer, but they are making money off of the purchases where if you were just going direct, you wouldn't be paying that, but you also probably wouldn't get that customer or that volume. Right. And here's where let's tie this all back into the Atlanta market or the markets that we did. What If it cost you $6,000 to get the business or to just to be there and you're gambling that you're going to get X amount of business. You're going to get more than enough to pay for that and to put money in the bank afterwards, more sales, more business. You're investing that money right up front. What we found. Okay. Cause we went live. I believe it was, and I'll have to go back and look July of last year. It was right before, right after market. And well, it was right before market last year in July in Atlanta is when we went live with FAIR. And the volume that we got in the first two months would it equaled or exceeded what we would expect to get at Atlanta. Wow. Yeah. 
So the orders are coming in, but you look at, well, some of them are new, some of them are, you know, whatever. But then you look at what did it cost us to get that as far as commissions, whatever that went into it. Mm-hmm. Far, 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 far less than what it would have cost us to go to the market. Yeah. Well, the other thing is when you do a show, a market, you're putting up that upfront cost, whether you get sales or not. Yeah. Here, you're getting less margin, but the sale has already been made. So you're gaining a customer and you've sold the product. Right. Yeah. And now you've got it. Now, the other thing we did, we were going, well, are people going to miss us? What we can we do or whatever? Fortunately, in my database, when I got a new order or when I booked orders at the Atlanta market, I would code them a certain way in our system. And we were on QuickBooks, so I could put it as a as show info or whatever in there so that I could track those customers and those orders. Well, what we did is said, okay, well, who have we gotten business from in Atlanta for the last, let's just say, five years? Narrow that base down. And then you take it and say, okay. How many of these were like one-timers or people we don't see very often? They're one-shot wonders, as we call them at shows, where people come in and say, yeah, it's great. It didn't work for me or whatever, or I forgot to reorder. Mm-hmm. Well, that gave us a huge list of people that we know had been there, we know had bought from us, or at least we had first cut with people that actually bought from us. And then we took that list uploaded it to FAIR and put our own message, which was basically, hey, you know, you bought from us at the Atlanta market before. We're not going to be attending this year in July. We're going through FAIR. Please visit us there. Our complete product list is there, blah, blah, blah. Quick message. And that generates a lot of new business. These are people say, oh, yeah, I remember them. Look at it, say, oh, it's new stuff. Here's some new flavors. Yeah, I'll place an order on through FAIR. So many people won't take that extra step like you did either. Well, I mean, do you want to grow your business? You got to. It's low-hanging fruit, as we always referred to it. You know, what's the easiest sale? Existing products to existing customers. You bought from them. You just haven't talked to them in a while. So, boom, that's an easy sale. The next one is existing product to new customers. Then you go back, and we found where we would also keep track of people we talked to. We got their business card. We did everything. But I come back and put all that into the database. Well, that was our second round. Boom, you shoot that in. And now you got people said, hey, no, no, we've talked to you before, but take a look at us now and visit us through FAIR. And so you're doing this all through FAIR's platform. You're uploading the list. You're creating an email and sending it off and directing them to FAIR. Yeah. Now, they are very, very good about proactive stuff. In other words, you can tell them, say, hey, I want to do this. They're giving you all sorts of opportunities. You can put a link direct. We have a fair link on our website. Okay. So somebody can come in. If they link in, brand new customer, never talked to them before, but they come through our website, get in fair. That's a zero. That's no commission. It's like new business. It's just rolling through them. And the customers like it because they're getting the 60-day terms. They can go on and find multiple products. They don't have to go. Actually, you know, I'll follow up some people that I may have had questions with on FAIR. And they have the opportunity. When the orders come into your system, you've got a contact. And if you need to get a hold of them or ask them questions, you can converse through FAIR or you can get a phone number and go that way. Mm-hmm. So you start calling these people up and just talking to them. Hey, this, notice you bought from FAIR. What's, you know, you've seen a benefit. Take a little time. It, it's really paid off. You get the mindset of the customer, not our mindset. How difficult is the setup for someone who would just be starting out unfair? 
We uploaded our entire catalog. Fortunately, we had that in a spreadsheet format. We were able to just upload that to them. We went through and we said, okay, I was due for a price increase anyway. And that was another thing we did. We said, okay, if I'm going to put my whole list up, what do I need to look at? Things like, well, what's my sample price? Is that too low? Yeah, let's bump that up. Let's get everything up. Took another price increase before we threw the whole thing out there. Because it should be what your normal wholesale price is, whether you're selling to them on fair or not. And then we just upload that file to them. They populated the whole thing. So before that, though, do you have to go through some type of acceptance terms or like, okay, so I'm brand new. I want to go on fair. Do you have to apply to be able to be on fair? Yes. There again, I don't remember the whole process exactly, but yes, they're very helpful. I mean, you can just go to FAIRE and say, hey, I'm a new vendor or I want to participate or whatever. It's been so long since I've done it, I forget. But we just started it that way, and they contact you. They walk you through everything. As far as the images, I think they came and got most of the images off of our site, or we had good images that we could provide them. Mm -hmm. But you saw it to be a smooth process. Very smooth. Perfect. I was very impressed. Now, here again, I will give credit to my son, Austin, because he's smart on that stuff. I'm not. If I was doing it, I'd still be drawing out pictures with a crayon and mailing it to him. So here, put this one up. (laughs) But that's his life is all that stuff. So he was able to quickly, but it seems to be a very straightforward, very simple process. And they walked us right through everything. And we were up and running. God, they had us ready to go. We thought it was going to be a couple of weeks. And it was like less than a week. Maybe they said, "Okay, we're ready to go. I said, whoa, 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 we're not. No, 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 no. (laughs) We're going on vacation for a week. I don't want this all coming in. Fix this up to come back right when we get back. So. I want orders to turn on. I think we were headed to the beach. And I said, okay, start the orders coming back on Sunday when we're coming back. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like Sunday morning. Ding, 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 ding. Orders coming in. It's like, whoa. Do they promote new products that are coming in? I think there are ways. And I probably don't take advantage of all the things they got going. But once you get on, you will have a fair person who handles your stuff. I got a nice guy named Colin handles everything. And they're constantly saying, hey, you can do this or do that. Here's an idea. They're constantly getting you ideas and things. So they're very proactive as far as bringing in new opportunities. That's beautiful. That's like almost bringing someone onto your marketing team without having to pay them. It's a team. Yeah. And it's a good approach. Yeah. And now fulfillment is obviously done by you. Yeah. Fair is going to send you an order and it comes from Fair. You go in, you can accept it. So when the order comes in, you're saying, okay, I'll look at the order and say, okay, I can ship this out by certain things. When you set up your account or that something that you can change on yourself is your lead time. So you may say, hey, I'm shipping in five days or seven days. I think we have ours at 10 because here again, we're small. If I have to bake something, it's going to be an extra week. So when that order comes in, you go and say, yep, looks good. Okay, I'm going to ship this by, let's pick a day, next Wednesday. Okay, so now that starts the clock and it's all listed on there. Do you do that by order, Eric? By order. Yeah, okay. you just go and review the order, do it. Then I print it off, print off two copies. One copy is for me to work with where we enter it into our system. And then the other is the packing slip that actually goes to the customer. Okay, so you determine the ship date by order. Yes. Okay, and then on those orders, do you get all the customer information, including their email, so that you can add them to your customer list? 
it's not on that order there, but it is in, I believe if you go deeper into it, you can send them messages back and forth, whether or not you can put them directly on yours. But I set them up anyway. So when I get a new customer from FAIR, I have to put them into our database. So I create an order. I wish there was a way that I could take that FAIR order and magically convert it into my system. Unfortunately, there's not at this time. Okay. I'm just curious because I know one of the things that isn't so great about Amazon is when someone is filling an order, they have the customer name and address, obviously, to be able to execute the order, but they don't get the email. It's kind of like it's held hostage. Yeah. And that may be, I mean, you can contact them and say, hey, send me your email if you want to do that. Right. But there again, I create the account if I want to do it. If it's an existing customer, it's real easy. It's just like entering an order if they brought it in another way. Mm -hmm. And if not, I have a very simple process that I can go. It's just a basic information to put it in there to get it into our system so I can track the sale. If you don't need it, I mean, if you've got a way to just take their order and run with it, boom, you don't have to do anything. Once you fulfill the order, and you're ready to ship, you have two options. You can choose how to ship it. And for us, we ship most of our stuff goes by FedEx ground. We've negotiated some good pricing. I want to make sure I'm getting credit for that volume. So I enter the tracking number, the price of that package, what the shipping cost is. That's it. And if for multiple packages, I do that. Once that's done, I click a uh, finished button or whatever it is. It's automatically, as soon as I do that, tells me exactly what my payout is going to be. I mean, that includes the shipping and everything. And you're doing all of this then in fair? In fair. Okay, got it. So now I've got all that, then I can go close out my order and create an invoice that I can use. So when I get the payment in, I can clear it out. Little belt and suspenders, but there again, is some of the stuff that's got to be worked out. But it's not that difficult of a deal. Okay, all right. But now you have the option, like I said, I can do it or... If you don't, not familiar, you don't want to do the shipping, there is a thing you can select ship with fair. You give them the package information and they take care of the shipping. And I guess they'll send you some uh, shipping label that you can apply. I don't do that, but you have that option of letting fair select the most economical way to ship it. I see. But the product always still comes from you. In other words, you don't ship product to fair to, for them to fulfill no, ever. I do not. Okay. Is there the option to do that? Do you know? No. I mean, they're not going to warehouse anything. That's not their deal. Now, one thing they do offer, and I don't know the exact particulars on this at this time. So this is something that you need to talk, especially important on returns. So the customer has 60 days to pay for something. If during that time, say maybe they've bought four flavors and one of the flavors is not moving right. Okay. All right. You know, this one doesn't sell right. They can return that. Not to me. It goes somewhere in the fair system. I don't know. I think we've had a total of two returns total in a year. So it's minor. I don't even consider it. So that's lost product for you then? No, it's not for me. I got paid. Oh, okay. You've got paid. So it goes back to fair somewhere. So either it goes back to them or I don't know exactly what they do. They say, hey, scrap well, it. Well, I sealed. think they um, opened your boxes and they ate the short box. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. doesn't matter. I mean, I've been paid. So, but this is a benefit to the end user. So if they say, well, I made it, they go, well, I got to order. Oh, the other thing is you get to set as the maker, you set the minimum quantities. So in our instance, we had a dollar value, which equates to basically two cases of product. I think I saw you're at 150. I think I saw. Yeah. Which is going to be at, that's going to make sure that they have to buy at, at least 
two cases of product. And we gave them the option, you know, one of the things they say, the smaller the quantity per item is, the better it'll work. So we did to where they could, basically it's a half a case per flavor. Worked out pretty good. But there again, if somebody's a little anxious, well, I don't know if I want to buy it. Well, you know, you've got free returns. And that's something, if that's an important item with you, it's something you talk about with FAIR when you put them on your list of things you want to discuss with them. This is all sounding really great. What types of cons are there to using FAIR? <sighs> At first, it sounded like, hey, if you're shipping international, use us. Well, you can ship with us or with them. We did one international order, never doing another one. You, say, you can block international. Never been able to do good. If you want to accept international orders, boom, they'll handle it. And I don't know if it's international, international, or maybe just Canada. I forget what it is. But I know they've made some improvements on it. We've just made the decision, no, we're staying domestic. I don't have to worry about it. The ability to, since we, a standard case for us is 24. They have the option of buying in multiples of 12. Sometimes you'll get a half a case of this, or they've got a half a case on this one, half a case of this one. It matches the minimums for them. They're happy. We have to do custom packaging. Kind of a time thing on our side, but the result is that uh, you still got the sale. You still got the sale, and in the end, the whole system is working good for you. Yeah, we got the sale. If it cost them 10 bucks to ship that second carton, you know, hey, sorry, you know, there it is. Whereas if we were doing it, I would probably say, hey, look, if you get 12 more of this, it's going to be less than if you do the second carton or whatever. Right. But it's part of the deal. There again, I'm not involved in the whole thing. I have had some customers, I guess FAIR has a uh, due diligence on their side where they're checking the customers out. Some people will say, well, hey, they won't let me buy from them. I don't know why. That's between you and FAIR. I have nothing to do with it. You can buy direct from me. I'm sure that there are some requirements and some filters that go through so that the product quality that's being represented there is at a certain level. Sure. So that would make sense to me. So what's your single statement about FAIR? Like if you're just talking directly to all of our listeners, what's your overall statement about your experience thus far with FAIR? I will say that on the whole, it's been a very positive experience for us. I would encourage you to contact FAIR. Talk about your situation. Here's what we do. I don't know if FAIR is limiting the number of people per category. There again, I do not know. But the net result for us has been very positive. And since we've started with FAIR, I'll be quite honest, we've had multiple other platforms that are doing kind of the same thing, have contacted us. Hey, come on over here too. And We've talked to some of them, and we decided to go with multiple ones. Well, that's our prerogative. I don't think they can cut us off for it. But. Well, you'd have to check that for sure. Because yeah. there oh, could yeah. be exclusivity like that, just like the situation with Amazon. But that's interesting to know. So if you go on to FAIR, get ready that there'll be other people reaching out. They will. I, you know, they do. They see success. And what is that? Uh, it's the sincerest form of flattery. That's right. Well, you are such a professional business owner, such great topics and advice. Do you have anything else that you want to share either on the fair end or the business end? Just some final words of advice for us? Yeah. One thing, this came up last week. I'm a salesman by trade. I mean, that's what I did for years. I was in sales, sales management. I just happen to have to make my own product right now. It's what it boils down to. 
I remember years ago, people, especially in the electrical distribution business, and people going, ah, I don't talk to him. He's just a salesman. I said, okay, remember that? <laughs> you know, salesmen, salespersons. I will use salesman as a generic term, not taking anything against women. So it's just easier for me to say than salespeople. So if I say salesman, it means everybody. There, that's my official gender statement. <laughs> You're so funny. Doug. Well, no, I don't want to say, oh, you said salesperson. No, I don't want to do that. All right. My audience so, won't do that. Uh, hold on. Anyway, I've been buying the boxes that we talked about earlier on the conversation. The salesman for the company that does not for us, actually, he's with a new company now, but he was in last week and we went out to dinner and had a few pops and we're sitting there just talking about stuff. I mean, this was like an hour into the conversation. I, we started talking about new ideas, new packaging. And I've been mentioning doing this particular type of package. And, you know, I just hadn't found what I wanted yet. And every time it was, it was too costly, I just really think it's good market. And he goes, well, hey, what about this? Drew me out a quick picture and said, it's exactly what I want. He says, yeah. But it was completely it was 180 degrees from what I was thinking. But I said, hey, it accomplishes the exact same thing with a lot less material, and it's a lot faster. I'm like, that's what I want. Your providers. Your providers, you are information because you see, as a salesman, as a salesperson, you see lots of different stuff. Here's an idea. You know, Maybe I'm doing something similar to this. Granted, if it's uh, exclusive, I'm not going to give it away. But if it's a generic type thing, you say, you can try this. And it's like, that's what I've been looking for. So use them as a resource. Don't just blow the salesperson off and say, I don't have time. If you're looking for something new or a new packaging or a new way to market, talk to them. They're a reference. It's free. I mean, for God's sake, and if they're right, hell, they'll buy your dinner. <laughs> right. Well, but it's also true. I mean, they have just by nature of their job, they are touching so many other businesses and could be a resource. So I've never really thought of it that way before, but you're so right. Look in your world. I mean, you're doing the ribbons and all this stuff. If you got somebody said, hey, I'm trying to, oh, you know, so-and-so was doing this. It may not be related to ribbons at all. But it's like, hey, here's a little pearl of wisdom I'm going to pass on to you. And you go, ooh. And the first one's free. Well, maybe even the second or the third, yeah, if you get you to go, go to yeah. a Bloody Mary festival. Exactly. Or, <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Gift Biz listeners, if you want to hear the whole Willis shortbread story, I will have the link to the prior podcast in the show notes. So you can go there and check it out. Of course, all of Eric's links are going to be in there, the website. Should we add in the fair link there too, Eric? I don't know if it's on there or not. That's the smart side of the business. I'm the dumb side. My official title now is COO, Chief Oven Operator. <laughs> all right. Well, I don't have it there, but I am going to add that into my notes to put that on there as well. But I mean, I found you super easy this morning. I just went on the platform and searched for Willis Shortbread and there you popped up in half a second. So There we go. Yep, there you go. So Eric, I'm so thrilled that you were willing to come on again and specifically talk about FAIR. Such good insight. And I'm glad we caught you really early because you're still learning the platform, but you've really within, it's less than a year that you've even been on, but you're already seeing such benefit with the platform. So I really, really appreciate you being here today and sharing with us. And here comes the disclaimer. Everything I said about FAIR is my opinion. <laughs> or it's what I think it is. So before you take it as gospel, call them up and talk to them. Like I said, they're very helpful. Say, listen, I was listening to this redneck talk about fair. I couldn't understand half of what he was saying. He's talking so slow. I didn't know what was going on. It's about drop over. You 
don't talk slow. <laughs> I'm on my third cup of coffee. That's why so we're, <laughs> we're running fast. But uh, seriously, this is my take on it. Call them up, talk to them. They're great. They've done us. Uh, like I said, it's been very good so far. Perfect. Oh my gosh, you are so much fun. Thank you once again for being on the show. My pleasure. After talking with Eric, I'm thinking FAIR is something you're going to be checking out. I'm particularly impressed with how they give zip code exclusivity and incentivize repetitive sales naturally within their business model. Now, next week, we're going to dive into a topic we've all experienced too much of recently, fear. Interestingly enough, this episode didn't come up due to the pandemic. It was already in the lineup, but I think you'll agree it couldn't be more timely. And let's face it, as business owners, we experience fear all the time, over and above a virus that we're working to recover from. We'll get more into this next week. But for now, stay safe and be well. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 